Good morning, y'all. I'm Tripp, and I want to uh, join Chris in welcoming you. First of all, I just want to stop and ask you guys to give a shout out in the chat to our musicians, to John Ray, to all, all these folks that have done such an amazing job with the audiovisual components of these worship services. Thank you, guys. This has been amazing. So, uh, a thank you. We finished last week a sermon series in the book of Romans. And today we are going to have a little bit of a bonus track where we're going to focus on something called a doxology at the very end of this amazing letter that summarizes so much about who God is and what he's come to do. So I'm going to read this doxology to you. The doxology is just a word of glory, a word of praise. And it reads like this. This is Romans 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is the end of this letter. And you can learn a lot of, you can learn a great deal about a letter or a novel or a movie or show you're watching a lot by uh, how it ends. What are the final remarks? And uh, I was thinking about this as I watched the last Star Wars movie. I love Star Wars. When I was a kid, I was five years old, my sister took me to see A New Hope, and I loved it. I mean, I literally still at my house, I have little Star Wars action figures. Kids, I'd love to show those to you if you ever see them, if you want to see them sometime. But she claims that I love the movie so much, I was standing up in the movie theater chair, shooting, my Darth, shooting Darth Vader with my laser blaster, all that. And so, um, and I, I'm 46, and I still love Star Wars. I went to see the last movie about a year ago, and it was so nostalgic for me that I, I was like crying, just seeing the plot resolve, seeing where it all was heading. And it was interesting the way that the movie ended. It was kind of a bookend with the way A New Hope, the first Star Wars movie way back when I was five years old, began, where Luke Skywalker is discovering what the universe is about and where his place is in it. And this Rise of Skywalker movie ends with the hero, Rey, finally discovering who she is. And Paul, who writes this letter to the Romans, is directing us right where he wants us to be with the emphasis of this book, and that is upon God himself. And so we see that uh, that emphasis is upon God and his glory. And so he starts by saying, if you look at the passage right now, where you are, there's now to him, it reads, and then the very end of the passage, be glory forevermore. It's about God's glory, and the gospel is explained in between those kind of bookends. So this theme of glory is a repeated word and theme in the book of Romans and really throughout the whole Bible. Paul talks about rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Earlier in Romans, he explains that we fall short of the glory of God. And again, 
he ends with this phrase, now to him, bracket, be glory. God's glory is a, ma- a major theme in, in the Bible. God's glory is his greatness, his radiance. It's every, everything you can imagine in the world that is good. In comparison, God is infinitely more glorious. He transcends what he creates. He has ultimate power, but he, but, but he doesn't abuse it. His mercy doesn't run out. His love never stops. His grace is without end. He's creative. He's sovereign. He's glorious. That's his character. He's glorious. And God, he wants us to see his greatness, his glory. And so it would be natural to ask, like, if a person said, I want you to see my glory, you would think they had an ego problem. But it's different with God. Because God, being perfect, actually shows us his love in shining the spotlight upon himself by displaying his glory among the nations, as the doxology reads. By him, kids, if you see the spotlights above my head, behind me in the sanctuary, or if you take a flashlight at home, you can think of that flashlight as uh, how God glorifies himself. He shines a spotlight upon himself, upon his son Jesus, so that we can know him, so that we can see him and experience the fullness of his love. That's where Paul directs us with this doxology. To him be glory. But sometimes we are directed to the wrong things. Paul gives us good directions. I don't know if you've ever had a time when you received bad directions and it led you to disappointment. Um, my brother-in-law tells this story. What's up, Ryan, if you're watching? Um, where... Okay, what's up, Aunt Janet? Um, so I have this brother-in-law. He's this hilarious, amazing, adventuresome guy. Likes to strike out and explore. Doesn't want to be just like bored. He, he's amazing. And he took his family, packed them up in their GMC to go see the glorious Yellowstone National Park. And um, as they're driving, they're about 90 minutes around the mountain between where they're staying and where he's plugged in a, a GPS address to find the park entrance, the flat lands of the park entrance. But the directions were bad somehow. The GPS was off. And for some reason, they don't end up at the entrance to Yellowstone National Park. They, they end up at uh, this well-tilled farm somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. It's disappointing. Bad directions are horrible. Sometimes they lead us to nowhere. But the ending of Romans directs us right where God wants us. To focus on him, remember that the universe is about him, our lives are about him, our lives are to glorify him. And he has us take a walk, kind of a hike, uh, right where he wants us to be, and that is in the gospel. If you look at verse 26, the verse reads, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel means good news. The gospel is that God purchases us with his blood that he shed at the cross for us. It's, it's so many things, the gospel. It's hard to even explain it all, but it, in the, in the, it's the good news that we're united to Christ in his life, that Christ actually came at just the right time by the eternal command of God, the command of the eternal God, And he understands our struggles. He understands our hurt. He understands our humanity because he showed us what it means to be truly human. 
We're united to Christ in his death because of the payment of sin that he, he pays at the cross for us. Through Jesus and his death, we see that his blood is infinitely expensive, is poured out for us so that we don't have to pay the penalty due for the wrath of our sin, which would be hell itself. God saves us from hell itself through Jesus' blood. Blood is a life source, right? God spills out his life so that we can have life and we can have a relationship with him. And as this doxology is saying, we can be strengthened according to the gospel. That's the point of this doxology. God is glorified when we're strengthened according to the gospel. We're united in Christ's resurrection. By Christ defeating death, by, by being raised from the grave, he conquers death, and so we can have new life and power to live godly life today. We're united to Christ in his reign because, of the con- because he conquers death at the resurrection. We're united to him in his rule and his reign. God actually says, today and forevermore, I am inviting you into this big story where I'm redeeming and helping people thrive and change and bringing wholeness around this world. We won't see that in full, but one day when Jesus comes again, again in his glory, we will see God face to face. The gospel brings all those things to bear. Christ's life, death, his resurrection, and his reign. His reign. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has come. He gives us real strength. Where do you need to find strength from God? Like if, if, if you're honest with yourself, I mean, where are the places that you find strength and how's that working out for you? Is it like a boyfriend or girlfriend? Nothing wrong with enjoying that, but that's, that comes and goes. Is it your financial security? That waxes and wanes. I mean, I love food, but food, you know, can only satisfy you so much. It's not the glory of God. A vacation is awesome, but it ends. Friendships are up and down. All, all of these things that are taste of God's glory aren't God. They're not a substitute for him. So we need something stronger these th- than these things to actually experience God's glory and see how he's glorified through the gospel. So uh, here's the thing. If you were to come into my house, you'd find this big, large, black container of some nutrient-laden power that's a part of my, uh, my boys' strength training program. They're always doing push-ups and pull-ups. They're all about bulking up. And um, my strength training program is not quite the same. They're always working out. But I have a different kind of glorious strength training program. It's called Doritos. I love Doritos, and you know what? Let's keep it straight. Doritos are glorious, but they don't last very long. And quite frankly, if you compare that protein shake that my children, my boys are drinking versus my Doritos, we know which is giving you more power. And they're ripped, and I'm not, right? They're buff, I'm not. You can see the difference. I'm still going to eat Doritos, but it's a contrast. What you take into your soul, what you ingest, so to say, into your heart makes a difference as to how strong you really are, what kind of strength you want to truly exhibit. It matters what the source of strength is. The things that we see around us, they offer some semblance of strength, but again, they are not the glory of God revealed in the gospel. 
Think about this. If you look with me back down at this doxology again, notice the words. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations. And read this part. According to the command of the eternal God. What? From the beginning, before time even began, God conspired and knew that he would send his son to strengthen you by the gospel, to pour out his blood so he could be united with you. You, when you have the power of the gospel at work in you, you're tapping into the one who has power over the whole universe, God himself. The command of the eternal God. Who all, all this time, before you were born, had planned to come and bring you salvation. That's some strength for you to be backed by the only wise God, for you to be supported by the eternal God, for you to be buttressed up by the, the one who strengthens you by the power of the gospel, the gospel of forgiveness. That's a different kind of strength. If you're like me, thinking back to Doritos, you know, when I uh, settle and draw upon my own strength and try to build my own kind of universe where I can control things, I just end up more hungry and more disappointed. I got bad instructions. And I want to share a little bit of my story with you right now of kind of my journey and finding a strength that comes from the gospel. So back in um, 1998, I moved to the University of Virginia to be a campus minister. And y'all, I mean, I came there seriously with a desire to help students uh, understand who Jesus is, but there was a kind of exhaustion to my life, uh, and that's because, honestly, as I'm feverishly pedaling my bike back and forth to the, to the grounds, as they call it at UVA, um, there was a bit of a sense of striving, a sense of trying to build a ministry rather than God build me, and so I was just exhausted, didn't feel a lot of strength. And that's when the woman that you saw just before uh, this sermon, uh, Jennifer Sanders, who's now my wife, she, uh, God just dropped her like a bomb into all that pride. And I remember one time when we were dating, one of our first uh, discussions, first fight really, well, she looked at me as I was just discouraged and was complaining about UVA or something like that. And y'all, she looked at me and she said, Trip, like, why does this have to be about you? Why, why can't it be about the kingdom? And so the strength of God started to look a little different for me in that moment. As we hung out more, I noticed that word king, the kingdom that she was talking about. That's something I just didn't really understand. That I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live my life like I'm the king. I want to build my own universe and rule it with my control issues and all that stuff. And God wants to come into that and say, Trip, you're not the king. You weren't designed to be the king. You don't need to have control of everything. You don't have control for, of everything. 
And I just want you to actually trade in that false strength for a new kind of weakness. I was coming to God in my strength to build a ministry when he wanted me to come to him in weakness. And so as I got to know Jen, as I was able to get to know her a little bit better, we started going to a church that saw kind of the same hubris and pride in me. They didn't put it that way, but they started investing in me and saying, why don't, instead of you like leading ministries, why don't you just sit down and learn how to be a Christian? I mean, I don't know why this was new to me. I mean, I grew up around Christ, but it was so freeing to stop. I remember going to this weekend seminar called Sonship, where instead of me trying to just think about the students and the gospel that they need, which we all need, like Paul, I had this space to stop and savor what he calls my gospel. Grace for me. Not just grace for people that don't know Jesus, but grace for me every day of my life, for every second, everything that I'm struggling with. I need, as Paul writes in this doxology, to be strengthened through the gospel. So if God can put me on this journey, I'm still on that journey, right? I mean, some of you know this. This week, the way that I acted was out of control and trying to be in control of things that I'm not. So it's not like I'm finished, but I'm on this journey. And I, I invite you, come along, the journey, come along on the journey with me. Come along on the journey with us as a church as we are asking God to glorify himself while we're being strengthened by the gospel what might that look like for us together as a church? Like if, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would just ask you, you know, why not? What holds you back? Where do you need to doubt your doubts? Come join this band of crazy people that are weak and that need help from Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, where do you need to, what does it look like for you to glorify God together with those around you? by being strengthened through the gospel. A couple of ideas that uh, I see in this passage. First of all, I, I want you to look at verse 26 and notice the language of us being strengthened according to preaching. One of the things that we can do to glorify God or kind of make much of him, spread his fame, is to just read his words and get to know him that way. God is amazing and He's like this diamond where you can't see all of him at once. You, you've got to go through all the contours and the, 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 the diversity of the different books of the Bible to see different parts of his character. And, and doing that is this rich path, this rich experience. And we're doing that together. I invite you to come be a part of the Narnia stuff that Chris talked about. It's so fun uh, to learn scriptures. You can do this online. We're learning when, what Paul calls here uh, the writings. He mentions the prophetic writings in this doxology. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start reading the book of Habakkuk together as a church. Read that. Ask questions. Come into the chat section. Ask the hard things you're wondering about. Make much of God by getting to know him and talking to other, people's about, to other people about that. We can make much of God and glorify him through um, by reading the word, reading scriptures, um, we can also make much of God's offer uh, for us to come, come follow Jesus. You know, the, the, the point of, of preaching is that people would hear the gospel and be able to respond to it. 
And so who's the person in your life right now that needs to hear about Jesus? Where do you need to ask someone to tell you more about Jesus? Whether you're a Christian or not, again, we have to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened by the gospel every day, every hour, every minute of our lives. And God's glorified as we make much of his words, of his offer to come follow his son Jesus. But he's also glorified when we make much of his work through our obedience. Look at verse 26 in this phrase. God is bringing about the obedience of faith. Faith is trust. Trust is something that God gives freely. And the fruit of that, the result of that, is this what Paul's calling the obedience of faith. It's the way we speak to one another, the way we learn to fight well with one another without abusing one another, the way we fight for one another, the way we share resources, the way we forgive, the way we initiate. These are all parts of obeying God's command to love one another and to love him. But even that obedience, if you, if you look at the phrase, he's bringing it about. It does not rest upon us. God is bringing it about as a gift through faith. So if you're cynical that God is actually changing people around you, stop. Because he's bringing about the obedience of faith, whether you would acknowledge it or not. Which brings up a, a kind of uh, little set of questions I want to ask you. Who is that person right now that God's calling you to love? Where is he bringing about obedience by you loving someone in a different way that maybe annoys you? Maybe someone that you even hate? Here are a few questions that you can ask so that you can be strengthened through the gospel. Where are you making that person out to be your ultimate enemy? Because as you read Romans 16, the verses before this doxology, we find out that Jesus is gonna, God's going to crush Satan. And so you don't need to try to crush that person. They're not your ultimate enemy. We know that Satan is our ultimate enemy. We also can ask the question, you know, where am I believing that that person will never change? These scriptures say that God's bringing about something. He's bringing about change. He's causing people among the nations to obey him. And that brings hope. These scriptures say that this is a gospel that strengthens us. That means this is a gospel of forgiveness that strengthens us. So where are you believing that you just can't forgive that person that's hurt you? We can stop and it glorifies God for us to stop and ask that he would strengthen us according to the gospel. So where do you need to obey by putting your unforgiveness in check? These are just a couple of questions that might help us to be strengthened according to the gospel. But speaking of spreading the, God's fame among our neighbors, I want to tell you a, a story and close with um, this story about Mark Dawson. Mark and Robin are friends of mine who I knew um, in grad school, and they've moved to Winston-Salem. I knew them. Uh, I knew Mark when he was a placement director at Covenant Seminary. And uh, this is a man who's, I remember him as smart, professional, kind, man who fiercely loves his wife. And we've been able to kind of uh, reunite with one another and talk. And as I'm getting to know them, uh, what they've explained to me is that, 
you know, that love that he has for uh, his wife, Robin, uh, part of how he expresses that is his caring for her in her physical pain. And back in 2014, though, she noticed that he was not able to pick up on cues where she had, uh, had a need for him to help her. She started noticing cognitive glitches and then a tremor in one hand and a tremor in another. Eventually, he was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. This is a disease that's terminal. It's a disease for which we know no treatments or cures currently. So we don't know how many years Mark has left in his life, but his years are numbered, it would seem. But what's, y'all, to see the way they want to make much of God through this whole situation is staggering. To sit with them and hear how, uh, yeah, amidst the tears and the horror of what they've had to face, they're also strengthened by the gospel so they can have joy and peace. And it's their desire. You can get on, I mean, we have like videos that they've made where you can actually see their story. They speak to audiences about what they've walked through. These are a, a, amazing, uh, this is an amazing story that they're willing to tell so that this gospel is spread out among the nations, spread out everywhere. And that kind of peace-filled, joy-filled strength that enables you to even face a terminal illness is that which Paul is inviting us into with this doxology. Now to him be glory, him who strengthens you through the gospel. So whatever you're facing, whether it's questions about faith, questions whether you're ready to follow Jesus, ask him to strengthen you by the gospel. He is powerful. Maybe COVID is stressing you out. You're done with it. It's frustrating. COVID will not last forever, but God's glory will last, verse 27, forevermore. His glory through Jesus Christ forevermore. Disease won't last forever, but God's glory is forevermore. Fights won't last forever, but God's glory is forevermore. Sin will not last forever, but God's glory is forevermore. May God who is able to strengthen you, help you to glorify him this week. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you so much that you strengthen us by your gospel. We face so many struggles. This life is difficult. And so we ask that once again, you would show us the radiance and the beauty of your glory that we might return again to the power of the gospel to receive your forgiveness, to extend it, and to be a part of you redeeming this world. Father, we glorify you now. Thank you for this book the book of Romans. Amen.